Lord God, we thank you. Jesus said, the Father is looking for those who will worship in spirit and in truth. Sincerity of heart, Lord God, we just love you. We don't need to sound amazing. We don't need to hit every right note in the right place, Father, but we express our love to you. We do that, Lord, we are just joining in with the celebration that is always going on before your throne, Lord God, in heaven. This is where heaven and earth become one because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we thank you, Lord, for a spiritual position. And you are awesome, Lord God. For all those here who need a touch from you, Lord God, I pray you touch them. Those of us who we love, who are not with us, who are uh, in pain or suffering or sick, we ask, Lord, that you would touch their body now and provide healing that is needed, Lord God. Pray, Father, for the word going out, that you would extend your grace. I'd be able to bring it the way you want it spoken, the way you want it said, Lord God. And I thank you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Before I get into the word, I have a couple announcements to make. I forgot to mention this like weeks ago when it happened, but if you notice that the lights in the rest of the church are fixed, Charlie and Tim came and did that and took the burden off my shoulders, and it's really... You know. I told Charlie, I said the other day, I was just standing in the kitchen just turning the light off and on because I'm like, wow, it works. Of course, you can't do that too much, but it's like, check it out comes on without having to warm up and all that, so praise God for that. And then I also want to mention to you all, uh, I have, uh, there's a ministry opportunity that's presented itself, so if you've been praying about some way to um, sow, I, know I don't talk about that too often, but um, there's a lady who does prison ministry, she's not affiliated here, she goes to a Baptist church up the road, but she does a prison ministry. And uh, actually, when I first met her, she wasn't even asking for money, she was just like, can somebody help me? write out addresses to, to, to because she's doing it all by herself and she's got like over 300 inmates that she ministers to. She sends them Bibles. She sends them study materials and um, she connects them with people who will write to them because some of them request pen pals. They just want somebody to talk to, to you know. And so I said, okay, well, because um, uh, she'd, she'd asked, she said, she said if, if people could help me out with stamps, you know, so she's like, it's easy, you know, if you're just at HEB or whatever, and you and you they ask you, did you get everything? Oh, yeah, could I get a book of stamps? And then, you know, if you if you think of that, if it's on your heart, if it's on your heart, you can, uh, if you just want to pick up a book, book of stamps here and there, and if you give them to me, I'll make sure that they get to her. Um, and uh, she's a just a really sweet lady, you know, she loves the Lord. She, she says, she says, it's just my job to sow seed. She's like, oh, I just sow seed. And I'm like, exactly what we've been talking about so so anyway um, just keep that pray about it and see if, if God wants you to do that so all right so then everyone turn with me over to first Samuel 16 so you'll notice that uh, 
got the kids in with us this morning. It's always good to have you guys with us. We're glad to have you. And the adults look forward to having you guys in here with us. And they, uh, they like the messages we talk about when you're in here. And so I felt it would be a good time to talk about David and Goliath. And this history, as you know, deals with bravery, uh, with boldness, and willingness to stand up with God against something that seems undefeatable, uh, something that is wrong, that, that uh, seems unmovable or impossible. And right now, you know, in this society, in this nation, in the world, there's a lot of fear among people. And remember, the reason Jesus came was to save people. And so if you're going to be concerned with what Jesus is concerned with, you're going to have to care about people. And really, you know, David was defending the people against Goliath. And so, you know, when you walk with God, you will find yourself called to do things that you would never think you'd be able to accomplish. And by yourself, you're right. You, you're right. You, 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 won't, you would not be able to accomplish it by yourself. But if you belong to Jesus and you're walking with him, you will be able. And in this time, remember, the people are in great fear. The people that you are called to minister to, that I'm called to minister to, are in fear. And so we need to be aware of that when we talk to them. Because your boldness in the Lord can inspire them and help them in the face of all these things that we're facing in the world today. Because make no mistake, we are facing some things. But keep in mind that, you know, you're fa- you, can't, you're, you can't have faith for them. But you can inspire the faith that's in them. Even the lost. The word said that God has given to each one the measure of faith. Or a measure of faith, depending on the translation. But you can inspire the faith that's in them. See, everybody's got faith. But whether or not they're using it is another thing. I mean, it's just up on the shelf with a lot of people. They're just not using it. God gave it to them, but they were not using it. And so, you know, now talking about this, the root of, the, of David and Goliath's history is found a couple passages back, actually. We're not going to get into that, but, but I wanted to just build a little bit of a back, back story for you because, you know, you read it, you know, if you were to read, if you were just open up and read this story, um, which is a true story, by the way. But if you just open up and read this, this story, you'd think, well, how, but, but how do we get to this place? How do we get to this point in time where there's this army of the Philistines facing off against the army of the Israelites they've met and they've, they have, they've set on two hills and there's a valley between them. And it's like, where do, how do we get here? You know, they're cowering in fear because of Goliath. Saul, the king, is like doing the same thing, cowering in fear. And so, you know, why is David as a youth... Uh, why does he find himself in this situation? And the answer to that is, like I said, a couple passages back where you get the root of this story. God had given uh, King Saul a job. And Saul chose to only partly do that job. And God said, I regret that I ever made Saul king. And it's not because God didn't know that Saul would disobey. Of course he knew when he appointed him as king. He knew he'd disobey. Actually, you see, God gave the people the king that they asked for. He said, it's, the, it's your king. He talked about, when he talked about David, he said, he's my king. 
Saul is your king. This is the king you asked for. See, he knew exactly what they asked for, and he gave them what they asked for, and what they asked for was not good for them, but he gave it to them anyway. And really, the king that they asked for was not a man after God's own heart. When my mom was teaching me these things when I was young, she put it this way. She said, Saul only served God with half his heart. In other words, because he didn't fully love God, he didn't follow him fully either. And there's a lot of Christians living that way today. We ought to always be checking our heart to see if all of it belongs to God. God, have I surrendered all of my heart to you? Every, every room, every facet of my heart, is it surrendered to you? And that's where the word said, search, my, search, my, search me, know my way, search my heart, Lord. So Saul only did part of this job that God had given him, and of, and, and of course God knew immediately when he did that. And the moment that Saul disobeyed God, sent Samuel, he, he knew about it, he, he dealt with it, and then he sent Samuel the prophet, to tell Saul, you're no longer king. I've rejected you from being king. Now, Saul didn't tell anybody else about that, so they just kept treating him like he was the king. He just kept doing the job of the king. But, you know, that was effective immediately. That wasn't like I'm giving you an eviction notice. You need to be out by 90 days. No, God said you're rejected as king now. But Saul just kept on being king, trying to be king. As far as God was concerned, Saul was no longer king. And so, uh, is it a problem then that Saul continues to try to be king? It's a big problem because now Saul is trying to do someone else's job. You see. Now, God is going to get himself a new king because Saul's blown his chance. This is where we'll start reading, right? Where uh, God sends Samuel to anoint the new king. So, you're, we're in Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, look down at verse 4. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, God had sent him. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Now, I'm reading this out of NLT, in case you're wondering. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? I love this. You know, uh uh-oh, the man of God's here. Is everything okay? Why are you here? It's like when, when the boss... It comes on the job, you're working, the boss comes in, and they weren't expect, no one was expecting them to be there. It's like, why is he here? Why is she here? What's going on? Is everything all right? And then the boss starts asking questions like, is everything going okay over here? And people are like, why? What would you hear? <laughs> you know. And it's the same way with kids. You know, you're, 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 your parent walks in, and you're not expecting them there, or your teacher walks in. Sometimes, many, nowadays, many kids, your parent is your teacher. It's like... Have you come peaceably? (laughs) Okay. So verse 5, it says, Yes, Samuel replied, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed uh, the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab, that's Jesse's oldest son, and thought, surely... This is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. Now, I think that uh, 
Samuel a lot of times doesn't get a fair shake here because people are like, oh, Samuel missed it. But you understand that Saul looked the part of a king. Samuel's just going by experience. Last king that we had looked the part of a king. And so God doesn't, doesn't even uh, chastise him here. God just pointing out to him, this is, this is my king, the one that I've chosen. I look at the heart. So yeah, he may not look outwardly like what you think he would look like, but this is the way that I see things. Amen. So, you know, God looks at the heart. So what shape is your heart in? You know, what shape is my heart in? Does that, does that make us nervous when we think about that? And if that makes us nervous, that's actually a good thing because that shows that there is a part of you, there is a part of me that wants to please God, that wants to be pleasing to him. If the idea of him looking at my heart makes me check myself and say, okay, let me make sure that everything is right because I want to be pleasing to him. See, people get down on themselves. But the word says that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. God wants to be good to people. So, God is not interested in striking you down. Isn't that good news? He's not interested in that. That's not, Jesus told, this, he, when he nicknamed James and John the sons of thunder, he said, he, they said, you want us to, this town rejected you, Jesus. Do you want us to call down fire and burn them up? And Jesus says, you don't know what spirit you are of. He said, the son of man came to save men's lives, not to destroy them. So he's interested in calling you his child. So if you accept Jesus, you say out loud, Jesus is Lord. You believe with your heart God has raised him from the dead. He makes you able to have God's approval when he looks at your heart. <laughs> so just check your heart often to make sure it still desires to please God. That's why over in Corinthians when it's talking about taking communion, it says let each one examine himself. For those who judge themselves won't be judged. So we examine ourselves so that, so that our heart is pleasing to God. Our heart's right. Amen. Proverbs 4 says to guard your heart because out of your heart come the issues of life, the affairs of life, things that come up in life. It's like this, this is uh, an issue that flows out of my heart. So, how, so what shape is my heart in when the trial comes? <laughs> because, or, or we could say it this way too, it, 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 you, act, you act the way you do because of what's in your heart or what you put into your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth.